Welcome to the future of energy, where we'll meet the people who are working with the products of tomorrow. In each episode, we'll take you a step further into the world of electrification. From the roads we travel on, to the vessels that navigate our oceans, and even the skies above, we'll unravel the threads of innovation weaving together the clean energy future. So fasten your seatbelts as we navigate the future of energy one conversation at a time. Good morning. I'm your host, Anna Lee, and in today's episode of The Future of Energy, I'm joined by Miranda Muse. Welcome, Miranda. Thank Thanks. you for coming in. Thanks. Today we're talking about automating gigafactories, and I'm going to let you know that I know very little about automation and engineering, but I am incredibly impressed every single time I'm up at ET and in our factory, how something like that at scale can function at that level just blows my mind. So I would actually like to sort of take us back for a second and sort of have you reflect on where automation used to be like 50 years ago in a factory. What did that look like? Yeah, I think it's super interesting to put it in context and to think about the factories of the past when people had to either you know with their hands or with the assistance of quite manual tools execute all of these functions it's definitely not conducive of an environment where it, you can you can produce at the rate that we need to target to produce that today mm-hmm. uh, and it's not safe for the people there were you know that it can cause injuries to mm-hmm. do repeated motions with heavy equipment or without equipment. And it also impacts the accuracy of the manufacturing process or, you know, the quality of the output. So coming from or, you know, the the driving force behind this innovation is to get to a point where the manufacturing systems are reliable, safe, clean or high quality producing. Mm. Uh, and, and automation is part of what unlocks that. Yeah. It's a different uh, it's a different time, and especially given the the pressure of making a cleaner future, I think that automation of factories in general, especially for for cells and batteries, are the the future, and it will just keep on like the the innovations within this sector will just keep on going. Yeah, definitely. And I'm excited to hear about what automation is, and then going into different topics of that, what the challenges are, and sort of what the future looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So when we talk about automation in my context, we're referring to the equipment for material flow and robotics. This means automated storage and retrieval systems, AGVs or automated gutted vehicles, conveyance, six axis robots, gantries, this kind of equipment. Robots are awesome. (laughs) I have met one and it was really cool. It's also scary because, you know, you think of like the the future and and like the movies that basically make you terrified of robots. But I thought it was really cool. It is cool. It's one of my favorite parts of the job, for sure. (laughs) I totally understand that. (laughs) So then now you've sort of explained what, what automation is and what you do specifically in automation, what your team does. Why is it necessary, especially at the scale that we're building? Yeah. So all of these equipments are used for applications that connect the core process steps. They carry WIP or work in progress material and the raw materials that are used for making the batteries. It's always, you know, when you ask why it's necessary, it's always a matter of a strategic decision for when you automate something. 
And there's a lot of variables to consider, which, I mean, throughput, safety for the humans and the products, the complexity of the interface, the complexity of the other work being done nearby, how repetitive is the work, and so on. So I think to implement automation on this scale and in the early phase of the project, it requires a super clear definition of what the success criteria are, what are the KPIs. What's a KPI? KPI is a key performance indicator. Indicator. (laughs) I should not have answered that for you, but uh, given that I have sat next to uh, a few people who have been writing our annual reports, that has been ingrained in my mind. Yes. (laughs) Key performance indicator. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, and I think the the first step of automating the factory or after you've decided what your KPIs are and giving yourself a clear success definition, the first step, it's not super obvious, but it's beyond should the factory work. Of course, it's not just that it should work. It should operate at a certain operating cost on a specific timeline within a specific capital investment range. Once we know how to balance these, we can create a concept And it can be utilizing technology we know well or deciding to try a new technology or approach that we've been investigating. And usually these projects aren't just one piece of equipment. They are complex systems with a lot of interfaces. So it's important to get those right. And we work super closely with the construction team, the process engineers, cell designers to map these interfaces and boundary conditions for the projects. And this is all before we even start doing what most people think of as engineering the equipment. Only at that point can we start thinking about the mechanical design or how we'll integrate it into the factory control system. Sounds like uh, a lot of layers. (laughs) Many layers. (laughs) Many layers. That actually sort of brought up a thought of mine because, uh, well, when I work with uh, technology, then, you know, given computers or uh, cameras or whatever it could be, those are continuously changing and Mm. continuously developing. Is that sort of a challenge with some of this equipment? I'm just thinking like when you're starting to automate a factory, it doesn't happen overnight. So is there something that has to go into sort of choosing something that is easy to then sort of um, change or be able to, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? You you understand what I'm yeah. getting at. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is one of the things that makes it complicated and complex i although there is you know there's definitely decision points where updating tailoring tailoring, Tailoring, yeah yeah, tailoring the solution to whatever is newest and hottest and most advanced isn't or or there are decision points sometimes you would say okay you know this investment is established this is the way we're doing it for this block Mm -hmm. and from here on out we will only you know we'll update this next time basically and uh the other thing is that A lot of times, what is the newest, coolest, best technology? I just meant effective because that is like, I definitely (laughs) understand what you're saying because that is definitely what it is with like cameras and and computers. You could still get things done effectively with the same equipment. Yes. So that is exactly the same with automation. I'm just trying to sort of like clarify if that is the case. Yeah. Yeah, it is the case. And I think... uh, we have some specific conditions in the battery factories that actually mean that some of the more exciting updates or mm-hmm. innovations don't fit. Like, for example, uh, 
you, when you put an AGV or an automated guided vehicle yeah. in a clean and dry room, there are certain design parameters that you must maintain right. and that can limit the functionality or some of the sexy new features. Maybe we can't use those or put those yeah. in the clean and dry room. So then it's unnecessary to yeah. sort of, okay. But that kind of goes into like what the general challenges of the, the battery industry or, you know, cell manufacturing industry is with these gigafactories. Yeah. I think for this kind of automation equipment, there's there's a couple key challenges, which is, one, the local supply chain and the competency for some of these applications that are specific to batteries, that being highly automated, clean and dry room grade, able to move heavy loads, but still high throughput, high volume manufacturing, the difference in the size of the things as it progresses through the manufacturing process, that that's not well established yet in Europe uh, and and we're having to kind of pull a lot of the suppliers along with us. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that as an industry, we're under the pressure of urgency. And if we aren't careful, we can find ourselves getting lost in the execution of repeated less than optimal solutions instead of innovating and optimizing. And this situation was exasperated over the last couple of years when the supply and lead time of critical components was constrained. Uh, and that really affected our timelines and our implementations. Mm-hmm. And lastly, batteries are hard. <laughs> this manufacturing <laughs> is fast. It's on a large scale. Mm-hmm. Any, there's a lot of different steps. Any little connection that goes wrong or any material that's not kept in the proper usable condition can create a huge disruption in the manufacturing or yeah. the quality of the cell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is true of every discipline that has to deliver for a gigafactory. But you know, it's not just the normal business KPIs that are familiar to production. It's also like the responsibility of quality and safety. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's a that's a huge challenge. I mean, it, I think it as soon as batteries became a huge component for our everyday products, it became a huge discussion on like how safe these can be. And the battery industry has always had to like sort of convince like it is safe. Um, exactly. And when I was talking uh, about uh, cathode active material with uh, with Merlin, it was exactly that was that the more we have of one certain raw material, it can make the battery safer. And it's just like, but how do we make sure that we source it sustainably and, you know, ethically? So it's it's really just like a whole it's it's a huge picture. It's not just like a big factory where you have to put a lot of machines in there and it's got to work. It's also like all, like you said, all the tiny little components that make a huge difference in how you deliver those cells to your yeah. customers and to the end customer. Yeah, that's uh, it's inspiring to hear because you are talking about something where I feel like Europe at some point will wake up and notice that they need to innovate. But then at the same time, it also is a little terrifying with just like how how much we are relying on batteries when we need to have sort of like a a very streamlined like you said like having a a great supply chain and and so on but i i do believe that listening to the conversations they're having in europe and in sweden it it's definitely waking people up and i think it's it's exciting and it's also exciting to see it firsthand and seeing it in person it's yeah, incredible exactly. to see the teams, how excited they are as soon as that cell ends or at, is at the end of the line. It's just this like, it, it's just, it's it's seeing a, a brand new industry in a part of the world where I never thought that that would be a thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, the the all eyes on us has, has some benefits, which is that we sometimes are, or we're getting more traction on mm-hmm. some of these important topics. And 
it gives us a platform to to be able to talk about or to ask for these innovations and these optimizations. Yeah. Do you think that uh, that's actually something that I would like to ask you? Do you at some point feel like you and your team are getting sort of enough for you to feel like you are innovating? Because you did say that it's it's a little bit of a, a struggle given that the industry itself is you know not or in in Europe, uh, as you mentioned. Do you feel like you guys are still sort of trying to be on the cutting edge of technology and automation? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, we are trying to push and be on the cutting edge, but it's always a matter of balancing risk, mm. of course. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, all companies go through a risk cycle or a risk, yeah. a willingness to accept risk cycle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it, it will require going forward that we find more creative solutions for improving the efficiency or the functionality but also driving down capital and that's i mean that's a necessity to to make these batteries profitable (laughs) profitable profitable that is important if if we're going to continue with this industry it's got to be profitable so going to sort of a, a big picture future of automation and factories what does the future look like like what is a battery or what does a cell manufacturer's gigafactory look like in 15 20 years yeah you know it's it's hard to say because we're still testing a lot of different hypotheses yeah but i would say uh it could be more integrated solutions for the battery industry specifically or like for in the category of material handling maybe it looks like implementing microenvironments to reduce the need for big clean and dry rooms. Mm. Uh, that's that's a big operational cost and it's it's also kind of hard on the people who have to work in the room and such. Go, go back, what do you mean by micro? Just ah, so people yes. understand what you're saying. Microenvironment, yeah. meaning, so, so all the batteries, when they are exposed to the room that they're being manufactured in, they have to be in a clean and dry environment. So there's a certain particle size restriction and moisture level Mm -hmm. uh what i mean by microenvironment is taking that from conditioning a whole room to conditioning only the piece of equipment or the area directly around it so in the case of agvs right now to to move a roll let's say to move a pancake from a slitter to a stacker Mm -hmm. you have to have an entire clean and dry room to make sure that it stays protected but what if we could make the the agv itself its own clean and dry Mm. micro environment uh and and that could change one the working environment for the people in clean and dry room but also how much it costs to run that clean and dry Mm. area Mm -hmm. so so that's one option or one of the things that i think i would like to to see pursued or developed a bit i think that's incredibly cool i'm just thinking about like the machines that i see and i haven't seen like i said a lot of robots but when i have seen them i think that's such an incredibly cool concept about localize or like you know trying to minimize that space like you said that that's definitely a cost cut but i think just given that humans need to be in that environment as well it's it gives them a lot too yeah and you'll still have humans on the floors yeah right yeah you need someone to ish <laughs> there there is potential that someday we could be lights out in certain areas yeah that day is not today and the other thing is that anytime you talk about being lights out you have to have a really really good business case and a really good margin for investing in all of that yeah. automation and technology mm-hmm. that it requires so there that's a business trade-off that you know it hasn't made sense yet mm-hmm. but it, it could be that 
in the near future in certain areas, we opt to go for a lights out function. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes when businesses choose that, it's also to make it safer for the, right. the worker as well. Yeah. Uh, given that maybe some of the machines are not something that you want to stand around and, and try to monitor or it maybe just isn't a like a safe environment for a human. That kind of goes to like having to wear the the PPE equipment into to upstream, for example. Like mm. you, like Merlin was saying, you look like an astronaut. Yeah. Because you got to be careful <laughs> around those chemicals. So it's sort of like that that same uh, sort of um, concept. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Is there anything else you would like to teach us about automation? Or do you feel like you went through everything that you wanted to? Yeah, I think that sums it up. I think the the important message is like, you know, there's there's a lot of exciting stuff and a lot of innovation yet to come. And it's all about, you know, tying it into the bigger picture again and zooming out and like making sh- making batteries something that fit into our lifestyle and our trajectory as a society. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I love learning more about automation. And thank you again for coming in and talking to me about this. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening and hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. <laughs>